Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Doing good, Russell. How are you? Good. And we have Mike Ogello. Mike? Russell? Peachy. I am doing peachy. I okay. think you're I good mean, evening, gentlemen. I always like that one. That I know, I know. But good evening, gentlemen. Like, you know, he's like, maybe well, like Vincent Pr- he sounds like Vincent Price in, in a no, he's, when he comes to there. Good he, evening, he, gentlemen. I think he was <laughs> there from Deadwood since the Deadwood movie's being filmed. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, I can't wait well, for Well, if that. I was going to mimic Deadwood, I would use a certain... A certain um, um, yes, you would. Switching. Yes. Switching. A two, certain two-word <laughs> epithet of, uh, of uh, Al Swerns. Don't we won't, careful. <laughs> we won't go down that road. No, nope. but, we can't, but we can't wait for that movie. But let's start with dirty play in the NHL, and we'll lead off with the Rangers' Cody McLeod. Oh, oh yeah. man. A man that shouldn't be long for this league. I don't care if he mentors young players. Two and a half minutes into a game, he plasters Sam Gerrard into the boards for no good reason. And, and then when he skates away, it's sort of like he's like, eh, you know, yeah, I know, I did it, so what? And so they, they give him five for boarding, and, you know, they start off by giving the avalanche a five-minute power play. Two goals Not later. Too bright, though. <laughs> no, it's just you know all of it. It's like, and you look at him, and he's got one goal in 19 games. I get he's got 66 hits. I get he's going to have 100 pims. I just don't get him. And so there's that. We could, we'll morph into the you know Pedersen thing in a minute. But this was a dirty hit. Yeah. And Sam Gerard was hurt. He did come back in the game, so good for him. But this is just something, and, and that I, I just I can't stomach anymore. It, I don't care if a guy goes out there with the explicit reason to, you know, check and try and make plays and try and score goals. I'm good with all that. But this is just nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching the play. I mean, it's, it's not that McLeod is wrong for, for, for going for the check. It's where it, it's the placement of the check more than anything. Yeah, very obviously going in. I mean, I know hockey, we all know hockey, obviously, is a high-speed, high-collision sport. But still, he had time to make a decision. He did. He's much bigger than, than Gerard, so it's not that hard for him to kind of get up and hit him on his shoulder to put him into the glass. Instead, mm-hmm. he's high, goes right into his head. And, yeah. I mean, it, it was one of the plays I was just like, everything about the play is correct with the exception of the placement of, uh, the placement of, where, of where he hits him. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been a perfectly – perfectly would have been within his right. So, but, again, you've described him pretty aptly at this point, the kind of player that he is. Mike, I know you're looking for some toughness on the Leafs. Would you want Cody McLeod? No, because he's a one-dimensional thug. But, but, but honestly, the, the reason that he's there, and I've, I've said this from the beginning of the year, is they don't want their kids killed, and they want somebody to be out there to throw some checks. I mean, that's, I mean... Right, I, but he did the opposite this game. No, Nobody he, did anything to anybody. He was the right. actual... Fire starter right. here. He, he, was the, he was the instigator of it. But, yes. but you know, to... To my point regarding you know Toronto and their need for toughness, again I'll, I'll, I reference this on the Buzzcast. I'll do it again. Uh, yesterday against the Minnesota Wild, Marcus Foligno, who's not a, exactly a, a wilting flower, <laughs> and, and Travis Dermott sort of went at it with with their sticks, and lo and behold, who had to come to Dermott's defense? And not really, Dermott wasn't in trouble. He can take care of himself. But John Tavares sort of stepped mm-hmm. in. And Marcus Foligno promptly 
punched him in the face twice. And then uh, Tavares had to slash or spear him back, and they both got coincidental minors. But if I'm the Maple Leafs, the last guy I want going out there and responding is, you know, Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or John Tavares. You have to have players that will provide some pushback, that will provide some leadership in that in that in that way. And that's I, I think with the prospect of them playing Boston and there are other teams out there that are gonna face teams that I think have physical advantage on, advantages on them, they need to get those players not to instigate but to respond. Okay, I think that's fair. Now, Ant, we—I'm sure you've probably seen. If you haven't, we could—we'll talk about it anyhow, and we'll explain it. But the Pedersen play yesterday with Coco Kinyami wasn't mm-hmm. a dirty play. But what what I would like to see, and I don't see why this would be hard to implement. You have a trailing ref that his only job is is to look at plays like that. He missed the play. There's no penalty. When you see two guys on the ground, and you've called no penalty. I think that's a good time that you could signal or should be able to signal to Toronto and say, hey, take a look. See if you guys see anything there because something must have happened. But they don't yeah, I- and nothing happens. And Pedersen, you know, gets hurt. He's out, out for the game and there's no atonement whatsoever. There, you know, and there's not going to be a suspension or anything because Pedersen said it's not dirty. But there should have been a penalty. And the coach and said it wasn't either. I mean, it. obviously, at the end of the day, Pedersen said it wasn't dirty. Right. Travis Green said the same thing. So when you get the opposite team basically saying the same thing, they know it's it, it's a it's a tangled situation that could happen and to any mm-hmm. player in that circumstance. So I hear your I hear your point. It's just watching that play, I didn't see it being that myself. So oh, not even a penalty. Okay. Uh, I thought he I thought he was trying for a takedown and then he got tangled up with him so it looked worse than it was but I do think he was going for a I think you could probably a, a tag him with take an interference down. call off of that play um, yeah although I do wonder because prior to that Pedersen had kind of went in pretty hard on Coach Cook in the Emmy and it was kind of borderline on the hits so I wonder if the ref kind of swallowed the whistle on that because of the Maybe. initial if they had their eyes on the play. And that's the one question I have as to why. As I, I think you could have potentially gone for interference, but if the ref had eyes on the play on the way and let Pedersen's thing go, then perhaps they they decided to do the same thing in this circumstance. Mike, what's your thought? If anything, I thought it was like I mean I don't hear this call made anymore, but obstruction holding. I mean he basically yeah. you know grabbed him and took him down, and you know if you're doing that, you're obstructing him from being able to skate away or do whatever you know, he wants to do. So, I mean, and this is this could be a potential blow. Now, I, I believe I saw uh, tonight that it was a knee injury. It doesn't sound of a serious nature, but, um, you know, I don't know. Anything with the knee usually takes at least a couple weeks, especially with a guy whose speed is so important yeah. as Pedersen is. And, you know, in a tight race in the, uh, in the Western Conference for a wild card spot, you know, a couple weeks without him, you know, your, your standard bearer in terms of your offense, I mean, that could be the difference between making and missing the playoffs or Jim Benning going out before the deadline and trading players away because they're not realistically in the race. So, I mean, that, that's a, it's a big thing, and you're not overemphasizing one play, but when it is a key player like that, it's sort of akin to the Brandon Manning, Connor McDavid situation from a few years ago. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. All right, so let's, let's switch to the Flyers. Uh, they made a move. They got... They got Mike McKenna, goalie, well-traveled goalie, as we all know. Well-traveled, old, 35. Uh, and the interesting thing is, 
Michael Neuberth in the locker room last night basically was talking like a guy that was completely psyched out. He was basically, I don't have the quotes in front of me, I read them earlier today, but, but basically was talking like a guy that was mentally struggling in that game. He was talking about how when you lose in the league, it's hard to bounce back, even though he was hopeful they would get on a streak. Like, to me, once he started talking like that, I knew it was, it was, it was time for him. And so, like, the fact that they're saying he's hurt, that's fine. But I just knew he was not playing for this team anytime soon talking like that, especially in the situation they're in. No, if he's mentally fried in the circumstances, you know, as we, as we heard in some of the, the talking, yeah, it, it, it's – you really kind of have to wonder right now in terms of uh, in, time, in terms of the And, again, you have to the flyers of the word with regards to um, – the LBI, but um, it does really leave them in a bit of a lurch here. Um, this injury, certainly, especially when you start waiting on the on seeing where things are going to be at. Obviously, with Brian Elliott, obviously there were plenty of updates yesterday from Cliff Fletcher. Uh, Cliff Fletcher keeps saying Cliff Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher, <laughs> uh, with regards to it. Uh, old man here, sorry. Way it goes. <laughs> so, but you, you, again, you, you, they're they're. They're in a tight spot here right now. I mean, they were literally down to basically two goaltenders and in this short pinch with McKenna being out there and the Flyers being where they were in the um, in the pecking order for, for waiver claims. It made perfect sense for them to try to bring in uh, McKenna, who has spot appearances. Again, how long McKenna will be here is, is subject, obviously, to, to, to discussion in this case. He's got to go. I think uh, Ryan Beach put it up in terms of what would happen if he's up on waivers again. That uh, he could actually be, if he could, the Canucks claim him, he could be assigned. I think to the uh, yeah. to the AHL. So again, I think this is same situation. Maybe it uh, may be even it may be even shorter term with McKenna than it even was with Cal with Cal Pickard. So yeah, this is where the Flyers are at right now. I mean, they have to. They're they're in the arguably probably the worst case scenario that a team could be in with regard to their goaltending situation with the possibility that if McKenna starts, the Flyers would be setting a new, I believe, a new record for start, the amount of uh, start goalie starters uh, in one season with seven, if McKenna ever does start. For now, it's going to be obviously hard until we, until we see. And we all know that wasn't the, uh, <laughs> the scenario that anybody probably wanted, except for, for fans who were sort of wishing beyond the wildest dreams that he, Carter Hart, would be ready uh, this season, and again, to, to, to Hart's credit, I think he's played well, all things considered. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, all things situation. I, I don't disagree. It's not yeah. optimal. It's not optimal. Um, and there certainly he struggled on uh, the last game that he obviously was in. So that's that's where they're, they're, where Philly is right now, and part of the reason why they are, as as Wayne Simmons aptly put it, they they are a team in quicksand right now. Yeah, I just don't want to see them play him. Hard five or six straight because they don't want to play McKenna or because they feel like they're in the playoffs. I still think or they're going to be. I think in the circumstance they're going to be have to be very careful here with Hart in terms of uh, we have to see what the upcoming schedule is. I think McKenna again if he's going to be out for a little bit here at Neuverth and they still got a stretch here and, and Stoli's just getting and Anthony Stars is just getting back out on the ice. Yeah. I think uh, it's supposed to be this weekend or so in terms of getting an actual practice. He still needs some time yet to get himself readjusted. So 
I think there's a pretty good chance here McKenna is going to get, if we look at the Flyers' upcoming you know, schedule coming up over the next uh, few games, I mean, obviously Hart starts this one. The Blues yeah. they have on Monday. So he does have – they got a back-to-back coming up on Monday and Tuesday. So they, they are going yeah. to play the Blues here at home, and then they got to go travel to play the Capitals on Tuesday. So one of – my guess is – with uh, with obviously th- uh, three games and uh, three games and four nights here, Philly's probably going to have McKen- if he's going to be up and 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 Neuberth is not ready to go, then uh, then McKenna's going to get a start here probably sometime next week. That makes sense, Mike. You saw McKenna in the uh, Calder Cup last year. You know what's your ultimate thought on him playing in the NHL? Uh, well, I mean, if I'm Philadelphia, if you have to play hard, I'm I'm playing McKenna every other game um, because, I mean, I'm under no illusions looking at the Flyers, looking at their their place in the standings, looking at the, at the situation with a an interim coach and a transitional, you know, and I mean, we know Fletcher's going to be there for a while, but it's transitioning into the new GM. This season is over with for the Flyers. I I I don't understand, you know. I mean, it may be optimal for them to use Carter Hart, but I do think it's asinine because I think you risk, you know, ruining a young kid. I mean, you pulled him after, I think it was 22 minutes uh, in, on New Year's Eve. That was his last game, I believe. Um, you know, and he up, up until that point he would played fairly well in the three games before then. I, I just think, you know, you're, you're, you're risking disaster with a 20-year-old goaltender and a team that right now defensively has no concept. You know, the, the morale of the team is is down obviously because they're they're the near the bottom of the league. And if the if this thing with Neuvirth is a mental situation, um, he's a UFA at the end of the year. I keep throwing him out there. If it's physical, then obviously you can't play him. But right now. I think you have the, the priority for this organization has to be the well-being of the 20-year-old future goaltender and the guy who's under under contract only until the rest of the year. I throw him to the wolves. I don't care. Okay, so we we move on. Let's talk a little World Juniors. Uh, yesterday with Canada, I mean, look, anybody could lose in this tournament. I always tell people the this is the hardest tournament to pick as far as prognosticating in, in the world. It, the margin of error is so close now. Everything is close. But, Ant, the one thing that happened in that game with Comtois missing on the uh, penalty shot was a lot of online bullying, trolling, threats. And they actually had to come out with a press release to sort of tell people how to act because, hey, these, these are still I'm kids. So, and I'm so sick of this. A little I really sad. am. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm really, I, I'm really, really, really. This is where we get into social media, where we really do have the, 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 the apps, just, just the dregs of society. People who just don't have anything better. I wonder, in some cases, is it, you know, it's like, is it adults, you know, teen, teenagers, whatever, people who just have to pop, just feel the need to pop off. These are yeah. not pros. These guys are young kids. These are kids. At the end of the day, these are kids. And the problem is, again, this is one of the inherent issues with, with, with social media, is that people just feel like they get in front of their phones and they react and they act like absolute friggin' garbage. And that's the yep. problem. That is the inherent problem in this whole thing. It's, it's, it, it was sickening. Um, 
I get disappointment, but at the end of the day, this is not a pro tournament. This is not the Olympics. This is young young kids still mentally developing, and it's online bullying at the end of the day. As an educator, and I work in this, it's classic online bullying, and they look at their young kids. They're far more likely to do It's tougher for them to sort of filter out social media at their age than it is for someone who's, who's older. And this is, you know, they go online invariably because that's the way younger kids are now. And they see this, and it's just it's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. Just tiring, disgusting, and, you know, people with nothing better to do in their lives in this case but to rag on a kid who played his rear end off, I think, certainly during the preliminary rounds. He's a good young player, but, you know, somebody might be a hard ass and say, well, this is what he's going to have to face when he becomes a pro anyway, so this preps him early on. No, that's absolute, absolute frigging garbage. Yep. Sorry. He didn't sign. That's not something he signed on for. No, I agree, uh, Mike. Yeah, I mean the com- the comments and and the the bullying of him are reprehensible. I mean, there's no no doubt about that. And, and the funny thing is, but this is unfortunately this is the reality of social media and the fact that every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there can make a comment on Twitter or on Facebook and it's going to get attention. I mean, I can just imagine what the comments are what comments were if Twitter was around in 1981 when Canada lost to Russia 8 to 1. I'm sure they would have hung out, hung Mike Leute, uh, you know, in an effigy on, on on Twitter if Twitter was around back then. So, what this does is it gives voice to the stupidity and the disappointment of a lot of fans and that can never be good. No, true. I'm checking to see if Tommy Salo has a Twitter, Twitter account. No, he doesn't. Okay. Um, so now we look at the gold medal game. The U.S. wins today. They beat Russia. And just from the slimmest of margins, like yes. there was a puck that got kicked in the net. And at first it didn't look a little innocuous, and then at a different angle it looked like it was kicked in. So that, that was fine. But honestly, this game could have gone either way. It was ridiculously close. Caden Primo played a great game. Uh Russia had some great pressure and great shots. Although, Ant, Russia still doesn't know how to change a goalie. I don't under, to pull a goalie. They just there. can't do it. It's, they waste like there. 30 seconds by doing it. I don't get it. Yeah, it, it was a real, just, it, it's, it's a sequence where you just kind of just shook your head. <clears throat> and it's been an issue for them for some time. As formidable as our team has been, it's always been, a bugaboo for that team. It's like, you know, and, and it's, it, it, to me, Russia, to me, when I going into this game, it, it felt to me like, you know, things were lining up pretty well for them. Yeah. We all felt game. that. Um, I, I thought, you know, the Americans would have a, have their absolutely have their hands full. And again, let's give the U S a lot of credit. It was a back yep. and forth game. I'm going to be very curious about the gold medal game, obviously, depending on where things finish up. My anticipation, it will be Finland. I think it's, yeah. in many ways, the Finns have been such a difficult team, such a tough nut to crack that in many ways they're going to be even more of a challenge for Team USA than the Russians would be. Well, Pekka Lukanen could stand on his head, and yeah. if he does, it will be a massive I mean, that could be, and be, I'm looking forward just from the goaltending perspective. If you have that Lukanen versus uh, Primo, I think it's – a yeah. fantastic goalie duel. I think it's going to be a pretty tight one, actually. It is. I mean, 
Mike Pekalukkanen seems to already have his one bad game, so he probably will come out with with guns blazing. But you know, what are your thoughts on that Russia game? I mean, Denisenko looked great. Romanov, yeah. as I mentioned, looked really good. Pod Colvin going into this draft had a heck of a game. I, I mean, it really, it wouldn't have shocked me if either team won. But the one thing is, nobody can keep Jack Hughes off the scoreboard. Nobody. No, uh, I mean, I thought Kravstov had a pretty good game too, but he had he a did. couple of missed opportunities as well, and he was he was basically banging his head along the top yeah. of the uh, the bench on the one missed opportunity late in the third period. I mean, I looked at this game, and it almost it was two halves. I thought the U.S. were the better of the two teams early on, but around the, like the nine or ten minute mark of the second period. You know, they, I think they sort of sat back and allowed the Russians to take over, and the Russians took the uh, the impetus to do so. And once they got the, that goal to make it two to one, I think it, the U.S. went into sort of the Peterborough freeze. And I mean, they were lucky because there were opportunities that you know uh, that they really missed that they could have tied the game. The one that was right on the goal line that got swept away uh, before going in the net was the the closest, but they had more opportunities than that. And the one thing, and you know. You can tell me this because, I mean, I watched most of the game, but I didn't see Hughes that much other than on power play. So were they using him, basically spotting him? Because I didn't see a lot of him on five-on-five. I mean, they were using him. I don't think they overused him. I think they just decided that let's let's sort of temper it because in case we, you know, because he's obviously nursing some sort of injury. So he, he's not getting an inordinate amount of ice time. That said, this last game, he probably will. But, yeah, I, I noticed he, he, they played him that way too, but <laughs> it worked out fine, right? It's, it's one of those things where he just he draws a crowd. It's the best way to say it. He can draw a crowd, and then doesn't matter how big you are, unless you knock him down, he's getting the puck to his team in a scoring chance at some point, multiple times in a game. And he did it. This one was on the power play. And it was pretty. And U.S. is is an interesting team because I still don't think their defense played great. They had a lot of turnovers. But Russia didn't take advantage of it, so it didn't kill them. In this next game, it could kill them. Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I didn't pick Finland to be in the top four. But clearly, watching them in this tournament, you could see they're a dangerous team. Capo Keiko is just crazy good. And, you know, Kupari is now breaking through and – They've got a lot of guys there that, that definitely can, can hurt the U.S. I think the U.S. does have to still tighten up on defense. I do. I just – Bill Kemp is their best defenseman. I don't think anybody envisioned yeah. that happening no. when the but roster they, was They've given them a ton of ice time in this tournament. They really have. And yeah. I, think it's, yeah. I get there's a little bit of a meritocracy involved sometimes with some, yeah. some, of, the, some of the defense, but I do think there's other defensemen that are got a bit more of a talent upgrade – than him yeah um but it, it, it's the Finns. i think we have to certainly get to a point where we have to kind of respect them at this point in terms of oh, now yeah. they have this would be there's to be there they've won they won gold in what 14 and 16 yeah those are the last, those last two tournaments i mean if you're doing this and you know and, and we have to take them i think consistently seriously in terms of but again, as you said, it, it, the, this is the kind of tournament where just about any, anything can kind of happen and can be up for grabs. But I do think you have to respect how Finland's been able to grow the, the, you know, their talent and be able to get them to coalesce in such a short period of time into really a, a rock-solid unit, uh, certainly from, a, from the inside out. 
Yeah, going back to a couple of years ago at the Bell Center is when they just had all that coaching problem, and you know that's when things sort of melted down for them. But otherwise, you know, they have been in there. I just looked at the other teams and felt like, you know what, I just didn't think they were as strong as they were. I didn't think they were going to be a bad team, <laughs> and but I, I didn't think they'd be this good. And then that's the thing. You just sometimes in these tournaments, you never know when they're going to sort of put it all together. They have put it all together. And, and they're going to give the U.S. a hard time because the other thing is they're really good on winning face-offs. And so that's the other thing I think that the U.S. is, is going to struggle with. But I can tell you it's a thrill if the U.S. wins, obviously, if you're an American. I, being there in person at the Bell Center, I'll never forget it. I, I took this one picture. It was great. The guys threw the gloves up. I ran in the elevator. I was in there with the whole USA hockey crew. Jim Johansson, the late great Jim Johansson, was there pumping his fist. They wouldn't do that in public, but they did it in the elevator. They were so thrilled. And, and these kids were on cloud nine. Like, you just interviewed them, and they were just – it was unbelievable how happy they were. So we'll see. We'll see if they can do it again. It would be fun. But I do like the fact that everybody has really caught on to the World Juniors in this country. Obviously, in Canada, it's been that way forever. But in this country, you know, when I started sportsology in 2000, in 2001, two, three, four, five, we didn't see anything. People heard about it. Most people didn't care about it in their daily lives. But I think for like the last, you know, five to ten years, they have, and definitely the last five. Like now, it's like, yeah, I can miss an NHL game, and a lot of people are watching these games, and that's good. Yeah, yeah but uh, but please, NHL Network, find some new advertisers. I don't need uh, more advertising <laughs> about about. Uh, Sweaty palms and uh, and selling my house and uh, there's a few other things involving now, healthy functions. I don't want to feed the beast on this with Mike, but I'm going to for a minute because <laughs> has the NHL Network just started to use the old Geico Hump Day commercial because it was on an old reel, or did Geico really bring it back? That's the bigger question here. Well, we're saving all. Geico's saving all the really good ads probably for the for Super Bowl Sunday anyway, so. Well, they, so you think I, they, I, I, saw, I saw the old caveman one, so that they, I, they might be oh, digging up the classic. They might be. <laughs> yeah, if you saw the caveman one. Back in the day, at one of the All-Star games, they had the caveman guy there. I remember <laughs> from one of those commercials is when he's at a, diet, when he's at a very fancy restaurant, he goes, yes. I like the roast duck with the mango salsa. <laughs> Yes, but 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 he was actually but he was actually in like the locker room with the players. Like it was it was truly yeah, he bizarre. Was actually in in gear, he was actually in. in no, gear. not in gear. No, no, I don't remember what the guy was wearing, but he walked into the locker room like he was a celebrity, and it was just a weird moment. Like I didn't know whether to be scared, like it was Roddy McDowell in costume, or I just, <laughs> just didn't know. Captain Cornelius. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know how to take it, you know. But this year, Anthony, this year, you know, the Flyers have two All-Stars. They have Claude Giroux, and if they have the mascot game, Gritty ah. will be an All-Star. Yes. Shoot me. Gritty's going to be assassinating, pe- assassinating <laughs> people this year, I think, in the, uh, in the All-Star game. Everybody's so you think he's going to just that. be the dirtiest player? He's going after Iceberg first. He's going to target yeah. Iceberg. He's going to he's, he's going to be he's going to go into Iceberg like uh, Cody McLeod went into uh, Sam Gerrard tonight. 
Okay, and he might, and he might, and that brings a point. They'll to throw, and they'll probably have to throw him out, but they'll say, hey, he's not bad. Iceberg's got enough padding on to deal with it. I've been he advocating. He didn't draw blood. No, no major. He didn't draw any blood. He didn't draw any mascot <laughs> blood. I've been, I've been advocating for the, for the stadium series game between the upcoming one between the Flyers and the Penguins that mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the Penguins do bring Iceberg. I do. Oh, they should. And they need to have Van Dam as the referee. Bring John Paul Van Dam in as the referee. Go full sudden death with this thing. Gritty, gritty <laughs> drop him in do, on a cord. Gritty, gritty can only do one thing to earn him to get into my good graces. Get the horn from whoever has it at in Pittsburgh. Yes. Break it. Other than that, <laughs> no. I think they should have a drum off because they both beat an annoying drum. They should have a drum the off. Drum off. The drum, <laughs> drum and horn off. <laughs> what is this, Phil Collins and Bill Bruford? Well, again, never, never it could be. It it could be. That's an old reference for, for you youngsters out there. That's, those are, those are uh, some very old uh, everybody's, musicians. Everybody's checked out with our references at this point. They're like, oh, God, who are these old people talking about? <laughs> hey, Sonny. Gritty yeah, okay. is today, and it's happening, Ant, and we're talking about them. Gritty. Gritty is every day. Gritty has somehow managed to... Uh, Embody, uh, you know, he went. It just it warped the whole thing. The whole damn phenomenon warps my mind. <laughs> and it will it will get worse for that game because I'm pretty sure he's going to have a big role in that game. Oh, it's never going to stop, especially this season with the way things are going with the Flyers right now. Right, I mean, they're just going to keep just they're just going to keep rolling him out there. I mean, it's that's they have to at this point because it's one bit of good press. Yeah, right, I'm waiting for the day, honestly. You get a Mike will cringe at this, but tough. I am waiting for the day when they when Gritty gets invited to the White House. I was I was just about to say Gr- Gritty is the Philadelphia version of the Wall. He's the distraction yeah. while everybody's yep. looking one way. And, you know, don't look at the disaster on the ice. Don't look at the disaster in the boardroom and the, right. the press box. Look at this disaster with the googly eyes on the ice, making a complete ass of himself. But go ahead. What do you think? Fun. What do you think, Ant? Could you picture Gritty in the uh, in the media room of of the White House? <laughs> Can you picture that as part of the press um, form? I, 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 not to get overly political, but look who's in office. I was going to say hitting on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. There you go. Um, oh, absolutely. At I, this point, now, are you kidding me? Anything is fair game at this point until 2020. Okay, that's or fair. Or beyond, or potentially beyond. I mean, and, and at this point now, after what I've witnessed the last, you know, three years, sorry if this ticks anybody off, but, yeah, seeing Gritty in the White House might be the least surprising thing I will, okay. I will have witnessed in the last several years. Gritty will be the new, the new, the new chief of the new chief of staff. But uh, so, and to close this out, the Flyers will play Calgary tomorrow, and Calgary's got one of the best lines in hockey. Carter Hart aside, if the Flyers' defense continues to play the way they do, like how many goals do you think we could expect Calgary to score? I think it's a probable the along the lines of what we potentially saw with Carolina in this case if Phillies plays de- plays defense as badly as they did in the last game. I, my my prediction is actually it will be probably around the same score, a five two five three kind of game. And then I think Philly has to give some some consideration to. Um, I mean, 
they might have to go immediately to McKenna the following game once he gets acclimated. Yeah. Do they make the decision to potentially move? I think there's still the whole possibility that if Alex Line has a good weekend, that he might get a chance to be recalled um, okay. uh, potentially by them. But, again, they seem to be content on allowing uh, Hart to get his uh, early internship in. I think that's a good word for it. Mike, what what do you think about that matchup? Well, I'll just say this. If they have to pull Carter Hart in this game, and I'm not saying that they will, but I'm saying, you know, Calgary is a very powerful offensive team, and if things go badly, if he gets pulled for a second game in a row, you have to send him to Lehigh. Yeah, I, not, I agree with that. I would yeah, recommend I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm hoping for the best because I think he's a, you know, I'm, I remember talking to him at the draft combine with you, Russ, and I think yep. he's a good kid, and I think he's a, got a great yep. future, and I just don't want to see him get derailed by getting rushed to the league. So I, I hope that they, they find somebody to put in that besides him and send him down to the AHL. And, Mike, last, last question. We'll let you finish it out. Right now, what do you think about the Leafs goaltending situation? Well, I mean, it's a it's a product of one of the only screw ups that I think Cal Dubas has made this year. I mean, the thing was, he was probably going to if you would have put uh, uh, Garrett Sparks on on waivers, he probably would have been claimed. Although I think the mm-hmm. teams out there, like Philadelphia, was looking for a more veteran guy in Pickard, and Carolina was looking for a more veteran guy in McElhaney, and maybe you know they weren't looking for a 25 year old goaltender who hadn't proved himself in the NHL, but you know, Garrett Sparks has been inconsistent. Now he's concussed, by the way, on a William Nylander shot in practice. Mm. Um, and he and he's out, and he's out indefinitely. So thankfully they made the deal for Hutchinson last week they, before the, the, uh, the, the prognosis on Frederick Anderson, which was a groin strain, uh, came, became public. And by the way, Russ, Anderson said today, that he has been dealing with an ongoing groin issue. It's sort of been barking um, the entire month of December. And if you look, that again, he up until his injury, he was he had had the second most game starts in the entire NHL behind Marc Andre Fleury. So well, I can tell our audience is sort of stay tuned. I'm tonight finishing an article about the handling of goaltenders in this league and. Anderson is, is one that falls into a weird category because he's not elite like for a lot of years, like a Rene or a Lundquist has been or quick. So you do still, in my estimation, have to be careful about his games. You don't want him starting more than 60 games, but now he's got to play a little bit less based on the fact right. that he's got this injury if you want to have him for the playoffs. And remember, he had injury question marks in Anaheim, and since he he's gotten to Toronto, he played 66-66, all the playoff games, and was yep. on pace for about that much this time around. And, it, and I asked Babcock, and other reporters asked Babcock at training camp, and he said, well, I'd like to play him less, but if we're basically in a playoff race or in a race for I'm going to play him as much as I can. And Garrett Sparks, you know, when we when I asked him at training camp about you know adjusting to the role of a backup goaltender, he said, "Oh, there's no adjustment." Well, he's had trouble adjusting. He's yeah. thought he started a bunch of games 
uh, in the AHL, and it's not adjusted to playing every couple weeks in the NHL, and he's been inconsistent, and now he's injured again. Well, actually, he probably saw a lot less shots or a lot fewer shots in the AHL, to be honest, per game. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Marlies were the best defensive team in the league last year, yeah. and he didn't face a ton of shots. But, you know, uh, Michael Hutchinson yesterday in his first game as a Leaf faced 30 shots in 30 minutes. Oof. I mean, that, and, you know, when, when you look at that... Yeah, I team, wish we could have Chris Berman say that. It would have had more dramatic effect, you know, the 30 and 30. But, oh, well. All right, go ahead. When you, when you look at that team and you say the problem is the goaltending, it's systematic. The problem is the goaltending, but it's also the defense because the defense right. is not making these easy starts. So that's why Anderson has to play less because he's going to face 40 shots a night on most nights. All right. Well, you know what? We'll stop it there. It's a new year. We'll have a lot of things to talk about going forward. That's it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody.